Hey, Daniel, have you heard about this door to hell thing in Turkmenistan? These geologists accidentally made this hole, right? And they were scared of this substantial methane gas release, so they like, lit a match and they tossed it hey, inside. Hey, Greg, I got a substantial methane gas release. Um, what? Oh, real mature, Daniel. Oh, no! Oh, that's pretty mature. I ate a rotten Hershey's Symphony bar. I need to go to the hospital. It's only gonna get worse. Worse? I feel the strings coming. Uh, don't worry, Daniel. I'll get you the help you need. In today's news, a local immature fart joke has gone awry and turned into the worst methane gas release since, like, ever. What started as a simple oboe solo has reached symphonic proportions, yet the patient has humbly declined offers to tour the country. The world's best doctors have flown in to attempt to plug the leak, but the patient has claimed that he is, quote, not into that. The world waits with bated breath and plugged noses to see how this madness will end. The music. Doctor, the music. Is he okay? Well, how shall I put this? He will no longer be able to shake his groove thing, for he no longer has a groove thing with which to shake. What do you mean? If given the choice between ass, grass, or gas, he would be forced now to choose grass. I'm not following. We've, uh, extracted his tushy. What? We've taken off a hot slice of ass? I don't understand this. We cut his butt off. Oh, heavens! And to avoid any confusion, we've removed his armpits, squeaky shoes, and extracted his vocal cords and transplanted them into me, which is why I sound so much like him. Oh, yeah, I can hear it. Uh, can, can I see him? Yes, but he may not sound the same. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a concert to attend. <laughs> Daniel? How you feeling, buddy? Like a flat-ass honky. Hello. Hello there. Hello, buddy. My baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my bubby. Hello, my bubby. Hello, my abuela. She's she's in. They're both in bed right now. <laughs> they're both. They're both asleep. in better places right now. <laughs> Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> Waikiki. America's garage. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we store all of our pineapples and meth, ice, if you will. So, welcome to episode thirty, 30. of LA Meekly, the history podcast of Los Angeles. The only people chronicling the history of this great city, and we get so much credit for it. People love us. Thank you. You're welcome, Mr. Mayor. That was one crazy parade that they had for us today. I mean, I still have con- I'm still coughing up confetti right now. I didn't get why Kobe Bryant and all of those Lakers players were there. But <laughs> I mean, if they told me that they were going to be there, I would have worn yellow. I mean, obviously, <laughs> but uh, and instead I wore all black like I thought it was a funeral. It played out like one of those New Orleans funerals <laughs> where it was sad for 10 steps and happy for 20. I got really tired after the fourth step and I was didn't know I got disoriented. This is just like AA with you. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, uh, witty banter section completed. Oh, God, I couldn't keep it up for very long. Thank God. That's also what he said in Alcoholics Anonymous. Wacky, wacky. So 30 episodes in. Before we dive into it, hello, Greg. Hey, hey, Daniel. How are you? 
I think listeners like it when we acknowledge each other as people and equals. Do they know that we record separately and you interlock these later? Do they know that? He records from the tip of San Pedro at the end of the wharf. Yeah. And then I record at the second before you get onto the grapevine. That's where I am. And they're both considered illegal areas. I'm in illegal waters. You're in illegal grapevines. Any crimes could be committed here. I'm in international grapevine territory. (laughs) This episode, since we're 30 now, we're going to be talking about the two worst greatest biggest two most notable man-made disasters most significant significant i was very excited to do research on this because well i was happy that you did research on yours because uh you know i wanted to hear about it i was happy you did research on yours for first Let's hey, happy 30. <laughs> <laughs> they cannot see the expression I'm making right now, which is like stone like astoundment. <laughs> I've got the 30 episode itch, so I, <laughs> I want out. I think Greg talked over it, but we're doing mm-hmm. the biggest man-made disasters yeah. in Los Angeles history. I am doing one. Greg is doing one. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a pretty good track record this history. Man makes not many mistakes, but woe man <laughs> has done us wrong one too many times. These are terrifying. Well, and yours is... Mine's terrifying. Yours is an inconvenience. It is uh, definitely an inconvenience. Think of all the I can get no spoilers let's get right into it no more spoiling no more annoying people with our witty banter but mm-hmm. it's just so witty <laughs> we're gonna be the first Pulitzer Prize winners for off the cuff conversation <laughs> I thought the Nixon tapes won that but <laughs> that was not off the cuff <laughs> that was scripted. staged by the Kennedy administration <laughs> they recorded that on the moon <laughs> and Stanley Kubrick <laughs> used Pink Floyd to record it while they were watching <laughs> Wizard, Wizard of, of Oz. Oz and they hung he the only Minchkin that, no, that knew the it Minchkins. the Minchkins we represent the Minchkin Guild. <laughs> they were an offshoot of the Munchkins. They were much more violent and suicidal. But they might have just been an ostrich. We're not sure. <laughs> we hung something that day. So I'm going to get right into mine. Here we go. No more Munchkin it. talk. I wish... It was an Oscar Mayer wiener. No, what were you saying? <laughs> what did she say at the end of The Wizard of Oz? There's no place like home. I wish I were home. I wish I were home. <laughs> I wish there were no place like home. <laughs> That's just what I'm thinking right now. Are you having like a psychological breakdown right now? <laughs> yeah. That's why I came dressed in my ruby red slippers. And I'm polite. I didn't ask. Here we go. Everybody buckle in. You might want to wear a poncho for this one. You'll find out why that's funny. Will the front row get... Go on. The front row will get smashed by watermelons. Oh, go on. Gallagher, the worst disaster. <laughs> man made him and man shall destroy him. And that man is Mark Marin. Mark Mayer man. Water, water everywhere. That's the problem. The St. Francis Dam disaster is considered... I can't let you do that. That's what people should have said to William Mulholland, and they didn't. So I'm just following in his wonderful footsteps, his soggy footsteps. (laughs) The St. Francis Dam disaster is considered to be the worst civil engineering failure of the 20th century. But to fully understand this, you need to understand both William Mulholland and the DWP. But for the sake of not making you sit through a four-hour listening (laughs) experience, that's not what this episode is about. We're saving that for another episode because this is like a huge part of that story and that is the rest of this story. Yeah. So we're just getting into a part of it. I'm not going to go into how the DWP was formed or who William Mulholland is. A few general facts, they need to be covered. Yes, please. Starting in the late 1800s, the population of Los Angeles started to spike very rapidly. So to keep up with the water needs of the new crowds in Drought City, USA, (laughs) the City of Los Angeles Bureau of Waterworks and Supply was formed with William Mulholland as their first chief 
engineer and general manager. He brought Mike Piazza on USC as a relief plumber. Was- <laughs> now, even though he wasn't by any real official measure an engineer, Mulholland professed himself to be one, and actually, he was he was good. He was self-taught, but he was good at it. Okay. College isn't everything, kids. <laughs> even you, young dropout, can engineer a civil disaster. Here's an instructional. Mulholland knew that the LA River wasn't going to supply enough water for the now huge city. Unless it was a flood in New Year's Eve. Go ahead. <laughs> if you could just bottle that. <laughs> just make that happen all the time. <laughs> which Pete Seeger did, or Woody Guthrie, whichever one, Woody. in a song. It was the better one, and you know which one it was. Arlo Guthrie? <laughs> is that what Alice's Restaurant is about? Yeah. It was floating down the river like Huckleberry Finn's house? Yeah, that's exactly. You pegged it perfectly. <laughs> so Mulholland, to supply for this growing huge city, he designed the Los Angeles Aqueduct to bring water from Owens Lake down into Los Angeles. Where's Owens Valley? It's north. It's like middle kind of California. Got it. Central Valley, you mean? No. Middle California. <laughs> middle Earth they need California. To know. <laughs> I think they get it from Hobbiton? <laughs> what are they going to do? Huh? Show us their ugly feet? Give us a scone? Come on. Get out of here. So the aqueduct was a huge success, and Mulholland was considered a hero, which we'll go into in another very exciting episode of Ellie Meekly. But it still wasn't enough for Thirst City, USA. So to pool up some more water, Mulholland built five reservoirs in and around the city. Stone Canyon, mm-hmm. Encino, mm-hmm. Highway, Silver Lake, mm-hmm. and the humbly titled Mulholland Dam. But these were small reserves, yeah. and from 1918 to 25, LA was in a bad drought, and people were nervous. Save mm-hmm. that drop. To make matters worse, the LA Aqueduct directly crossed over the San Andreas fault line, oh and on top God. of that, angry farmers from the Owens Valley because they took all we took all their water. They had been dynamiting and trying to sabotage the aqueduct. So Chinatown. If they mm, go watch Chinatown and <laughs> yeah, fine, go watch it. Okay, <laughs> and come least, back to us. I'm allowed in this country. Okay, some of the people who made that movie are not. So why don't you just listen to me? Support America. If you heard that spittoon noise, I, I got so worked up, I had to spit out my chaw. So they were trying to sabotage the aqueduct. Yes. So if there was an earthquake or a disgruntled farmer severed the aqueduct, the city was screwed. So Mulholland decided he needed a mega backup plan for such an occasion. Between 1920 and 26, nine reservoirs in the area were built or enlarged, but none were as big as the one Mulholland had planned. It was going to be the cherry on top of what he did for this city. Little did he know, we're allergic to cherry. <laughs> the original location for the dam was going to be in Big Tahunga Canyon, mm-hmm. where Tiburcio Vasquez was once chased through, and not far from where one of the Japanese internment camps eventually would be. Tunican Camp. Tunican Camp. Watch the bank robbery. Watch. Yeah, watch the yeah. bank robbery episode and uh, DVR <laughs> the um, forgotten episodes. Yeah, listen one. to the phonograph one. Yeah. yeah. It was going to be there, but the land was too expensive, so they looked further north to beautiful, barren Santa Clarita. Woo! where I am right now recording this, there was one area that had a natural landscape that was perfectly suited to build a dam and was known as San Francisco Canyon. Very well-known geologists, John C. Branner and Carl E. Grunsky, came in to examine the site and they deemed it suitable for construction. Mm-hmm. Mulholland decided this canyon was perfect, but the name had to be anglicized, so this became the location of the unintentionally temporary St. <laughs> Francis Dam. Damn. To give you an idea of where this is, or was, <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, it's about five miles northeast of Magic Mountain. So if you're okay. if you're on the Superman ride, you could probably see it. Yeah. Anything to say about the Superman ride? Boy, is he America's hero? Greg, is Superman America's hero? That's what this episode is going to be about now. We're going to have to go right now and watch Donna Justice and figure out who wins that fight, and then we'll see who's America's hero. The Dark Knight or the uh, other one? <laughs> no matter who wins, that damn's not coming back. Damn. 
Damn. Damn. So the initial designs were completed July 1923 for what's known as a curved concrete gravity dam. Okay. Now, you know what curves are. They're what make your heart pound and your lips go va-va-voom. <laughs> that the, dam's a whore. You know what concrete is? It's the stuff my muscles are made of. <laughs> it's the stuff I have in my lungs, okay? Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> it's what I chew for breakfast. <laughs> but a gravity dam, you know damn gravity, but what's a gravity dam? A gravity dam is a dam that relies on gravity. <laughs> you were quoted recently as saying word puzzles, and I totally agree with that. I think I'm quoting you in regards to the way you talk word puzzles. <laughs> well, try unlocking this one, because it, you'll appreciate it. I'm throwing the pieces away. <laughs> I don't even care. The word puzzle's missing the corners. <laughs> it's no good. It's no good to me, dead. So, a gravity dam, yeah. it requires an extremely delicate balance between the weight of the dam and the water that it's holding back. So, it relies on the power of gravity to protect it, and maybe Superman, from being crushed by its own water. So, the water's constantly pushing the dam, but the dam's weight is holding it back. So, they're sort of interlocked into each other? An eternal struggle. Yeah, struggle. Struggle, yeah. <laughs> Where they're locked in an eternal struggle, just like that Superman and Batman. <laughs> Golly, justice is here. If one of them wins man no no don justice they gotta keep fighting batman versus superman the south will rise again <laughs> no matter who wins we're racist Oh, God. What is it? 30 episodes in. Dirty 30. 30. <laughs> so, basically, as long as the weight of the dam is more than the weight of the water that it's holding back, you're safe. Okay. That's all you need to build a dam. Damn. This concept was all accounted for in the initial designs, which called for a dam. I got a few different reports based on what exactly is being measured, but I'm sure a difference of five feet isn't going to change the impact of this story for any of you. And if it does, I hope you end up five feet under. Nope. I'm not even going to put you the full six. You don't deserve <laughs> you it. Don't deserve to be closer to hell. <laughs> a tip of your shoe might be coming out. <laughs> Depending on what you're seeing, the initial plans was 175 or 80 feet tall, creating mm -hmm. a 30,000 acre feet reservoir. For reference, one acre foot is 325,851 gallons of water. Isn't that what you're supposed to drink every day? Yeah, that's, what, that that's what you have daily. to bring to the gym. <laughs> so with this plan, construction began in March 1924, but shortly after construction started in July, Mulholland decided he wanted the reservoir to hold more water, so he added 10 feet to the height of it, raising its capacity to a 32,000 acre feet reservoir. Then Mulholland got even thirstier, and in July 1925 when the dam was already halfway done, he added another 10 feet to the height of the dam. This was extremely risky considering the delicate nature of a gravity dam, but to help contain all the water, they added the 588 foot long apron string dike to the western side of the dam. I mean, apron string already feels not strong, right? If you raise, if you raise the roof any higher than it <laughs> If you were capable of raising the roof, <laughs> if you raise the height of a dam, you have to raise the width as well. And this was a solution of sorts, this dike, but a very unstable one. Regardless, construction continued. And on May 4th, May the 4th of 1926, be with you, the St. Francis Dam was... didn't make a lot of sense at the time. No, they, you'll get it. You may not <laughs> like this, it. but your grandkids are going to love it. Hey, George Lucas, it's your coven. Marvin Lucas, you know that new space thing you're waiting to be born for? Space? Space? <laughs> <laughs> Where's that? My God, is that where that Superman came from? Golly. <laughs> So May 4th, 1926, the St. Francis Dam was finally completed. It was a very clean, art deco-y design with mm -hmm. a stepped downstream face like the Mulholland Dam has. Yeah. In fact, the whole design of it was really just a big version of the Mulholland Dam, <laughs> which was designed by Edgar A. Bailey. That name sounds familiar. Uh, you might be thinking of the king's mascot, Bailey. I might be thinking of that. It was yeah. designed by an anthropomorphic uh, lion. Uh, 
I was actually thinking of That's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> George George Bailey. <laughs> well, he was going to jump off of them. <laughs> but <laughs> that, Superman saved him. But Superman <laughs> came again. He showed him what life would be like if he had killed Batman when he, he had the chance. And stayed on Krypton, yeah. Go ahead. It covered 600 acres and was 200 or 205, depending on which part you're measuring, feet tall. And 700 feet long, not counting the dike. 154 feet thick at the bottom and 16 feet thick at the top. It weighed 250,000 tons. It cost $1.3 million to build, which in today's dollars is a little over 17 million, and was the largest arch-supported dam in the world. Also part of this water network were two powerhouses aptly titled Powerhouse One, which had been built in 1917, and Powerhouse, can you guess it? Deuce. Powerhouse Deuce. Deuce. Hot shots. Powerhouse Deuce, (laughs) which had been built in 1920. The system was to be that the water would come from the aqueduct, go through Powerhouse 1, which was upstream, Mm -hmm. go into the reservoir, then through Powerhouse 2, which was downstream from the dam. The reservoir itself had an extreme potential. At its capacity, the lake it created would be 2.8 miles long, and they hoped it would become a tourist attraction. Imagine all of those tourists frolicking in our drinking water. Uh, We drove 400 (laughs) miles to look at this collection of water. We came from Lake Michigan. (laughs) What is this, the Cecil Hotel? The reservoir could hold 52 million tons of water, or about 12.5 billion gallons, which could have supplied the city of Los Angeles for two years of its water supply, which is precisely how much water was in it when things went wrong. Oh, boy. The dam officially opened May 13th, 1926, and the spigot was turned on, and the reservoir began to fill up at 70 million gallons of water a day, which is a ridiculous... All of this is a ridiculous amount of water. This is really go big or go home but yeah and yet i can't get a free glass of water at the 101 diner Come on. At just 10 months after opening, cracks began showing oh, up along boy. the dam as it got more and more full. But that happens to every dam and it can be pretty easily fixed. Just put some gum on it. But as more and more <laughs> <Just> water... <laughs> Have you tried praying? <laughs> but as more and more water came in, more and more cracks were showing up. And not just the plumbers that came in to oh, fix it. Oh my golly, oh my golly. You'd be, you'd be dirty right now. Mike Piazza the plumber came yeah. in. Show us that crack. A common joke amongst the people that lived in the area was that, I'll, I'll see you later if the dam don't break. <laughs> Imagine. On March 7th, 1928, after being open for two years, the dam reached capacity for the first time, and Mulholland's failsafe backup plan looked like it was a success. But the joy only lasted five days until March 12th. Early that morning, the dam keeper, Tony Harnischfeger, did his usual inspection and found a large leak on the west side of the dam that was losing about 20 gallons of water a second. Again, this is oh. all like crazy amounts of water. The scary thing was, though, that the water was muddy and muddy water is usually a sign that foundation is leaking out and that the blues are back, baby. (laughs) You were just waiting for that one. I felt it in my stomach. Just like a muddy water (laughs) solo. So muddy water. So he he immediately called Mulholland who rushed over with his deputy Harvey Van Norman, which is also a Batman person. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. As was Alfred Harnischfeger. Tony. So so they got there at 10.30 a.m. Mulholland and Van Norman inspected the dam, but determined the muddiness wasn't being caused by the leak, but was coming from some loose soil that had gotten into the reservoir from a new road they were building nearby. Reassured by this, Mulholland was not concerned by the leak, and he and his deputy left the dam at 12.30 p.m., assuring Harnischfeger that the dam was safe. Then came nighttime. Boy, that's and, the right time. Unless you live near it, dam. Unless it was this nighttime. Yeah. There are no eyewitnesses of the dam breaking, because if you, uh, the dam's gonna break. 
Uh, get ready. Because if you were around to see it, you did not survive to talk about it. Jeez. What we know is that a guy who had been passing by on a motorcycle upstream from the dam said that at 11.50 p.m., he heard what sounded like a landslide coming from the dam. Then, at 11.57 and 30 seconds p.m. on March 12, 1928, there was a recorded steep drop in voltage at the same time that a transformer blew up at the SoCal Edison Saugus substation on what is now Magic Mountain Parkway. Mm. What this meant was that that was the exact time that the dam broke. Okay. The noise that had been heard by the guy on the motorcycle was a landslide that a few minutes later collapsed the eastern side of the dam and the waters came pouring out. The first victims were the dam keeper, Tony Harnischfeger, and his six-year-old son, Coder, and girlfriend, Leona. Tony and Coder's bodies were never found, but the way that Leona's was found suggests that they were on the dam inspecting it when it broke. Out of the dam came a 140-foot-high wall of water, Greg's worst Stop. nightmare. Stop talking right now. It's made of rats. <laughs> it, was, it was traveling oh. at 18 miles per hour, which meant it was overtaken 26 feet per second. So it didn't take long to hit Powerhouse 2, which was placed directly in the flood path. It is recorded as going offline at 12.02 and 30 seconds, and it was crushed as easily as an eggshell, they said. Oh it wasn't just an empty substation. The men who worked there lived around it with their families. 74 people in all lived in the camp there. There were only three survivors. But the destruction was only beginning. As the eastern side of the dam was emptying, more cracks started to form on the already cracked western side. Then the force of the rushing water lifted the rest of the dam and twisted it and moved it forward, which caused the western side to crumble. This released a second wall of water, racing to catch up with the first as all 12.5 billion gallons of water were emptied out of the reservoir that had taken two years years to fill up in 70 minutes. Oh my, that's horrifying. Yeah, well, it does not end there. The water found its way to the natural path laid out for it, which was the Santa Clara River, which it met at Castaic Junction at 1240, going 12.8 miles per hour. Along the way there, it had destroyed part of Harry Carey Sr.'s ranch. I think I know how he reacted to that. (laughs) What is happening here? Water! Um, no. (laughs) What's all this water? (laughs) Carey wasn't around, and neither were the Navajo, who lived on his ranch running a trading outpost tourist trap because they had asked to leave for a while after they had seen the cracks in the dam a month before. Also before it hit Castaic Junction, it hit the Saugus substation where an Edison patrolman named Raymond Starbard managed to escape the water and find his way to a phone and called the sheriff. He's credited with being the first to sound the alarm. Oh, awesome. However, an official warning wasn't issued until 1.20 a.m. and the flood was moving fast. At that same time... Two hours later? Does that surprise you? That the- yeah, I guess not. <laughs> Especially in 1926. The phone took that long to get there. <laughs> they had to light the torches from Gondor. <laughs> at the same time, the flood hit a SoCal Edison construction camp located at Kemp. 150 men were there sleeping in their tents, and the layout of where they were staying was shaped in such a way that the waters rushed through, hit a wall called Blue Cut, and then rushed back, oh. causing the whole basin to turn into a whirlpool. <sighs> Yeah. No. The men who had their tents zipped up managed to stay afloat in the rushing water. They, like, they floated, but 84 other people died there. What was even scarier was that on this particular night, there was no moon, and there was a fog in the sky, so no stars were visible. On top of that, the flood cut most of the power lines, so it was almost pitch black. All you could hear was just the sound of roaring water, which most people thought was thunder or an earthquake, because aside from not expecting the dam to have broken, and also being half asleep, yeah. a lot of people didn't even know there was 
was a dam. As the flood crossed into Ventura County, people didn't understand where, like, what, the where's this going? There's a desert. We're too far we're from the ocean. They were too far from the ocean for it to be a tsunami, so they didn't know what was, like, what yeah. is happening. Ventura County wasn't even consulted or warned that there was a dam being built until construction had already started. So they're just emptying the water, like, oh, did you know that there was a... That's what the first phone call was. So <laughs> we had a dam. <laughs> Two things. In some places, people did have light from burning electrical poles that had caught on fire from the burst wires, which is such a scary image to me. Yeah. But still, the water kept moving, causing landslides along the way. And as it crossed into Ventura County, then it started getting into actually populated towns. And keep in mind, as it moved, it became less just a flood of water and more of a thick, fluid mass of mud and debris. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, a waterfall. Like, yeah. this was like a wall of wet concrete. Jesus. At 1.30, a telephone operator in Santa Paula named Luis Gip got a call from Pacific Long Distance warning that the flood was heading her way. But instead of running away, she and the other telephone operators in the area stayed and called up every house they could, warning them to get out as fast as they can. In addition to Gip, I don't know how to pronounce it. There was Rysel Jones, Althea Marks, Margaret Osborne, the unfortunately named B.O. Clark, Thelma Nugebauer, Genevieve Burns, Leela Cochran, Exie Voris, and Florence Barlow. These women have become known as the Hello Girls. Hello, girls. And they saved hundreds of lives, and in reward for their service, they were each given a check for $25. Which, even in 1926 standards, is insulting. Yeah, it couldn't make it 30 bucks. (laughs) And made them the highest paid women in the 20s. (laughs) They promptly had to pay for the checks being written, which cost $26. (laughs) But still, the flood kept surging forward. At 2.20, it hit Fillmore, still moving at 12.3 miles per hour. It went from Magic Mountain to Fillmore? It's not done there. Fudge sickles. If you were lucky enough to have been alerted of the flood, you could have tried to scramble for the hills, but most were still asleep or were woken up by the noise of their yeah. death right before they got hit. People tried to grab onto anything they could as the water just pulled them away. Trees, beds, whatever was nearby. And still, the water kept moving forward. As it approached the town of Santa Paula, even more heroes emerged there. The first call Luis Gip had made was to a CHP officer in Santa Paula named Thornton Edwards, who immediately... Thornton? Mo- Thornton. 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 Who immediately immediately mobilized with a man named Stanley Baker and the two of them rode through the streets on their motorcycles with the sirens going to wake up as many as they could. Edwards realized a more efficient way of warning people was to go to every third house and tell them to warn their surrounding neighbors. He also went down to the river to warn the migrant Mexican workers who lived down there, but he didn't speak Spanish. So all he could say was mucha agua. And they no, la- I'm about to go to bed. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I don't want to wet the bed. And they laughed at him and they were like, it's not raining. Edwards was called the Paul Revere of Santa Paula and became the first CHP officer honored for bravery. Oh, cool. He got $26. <laughs> he got $4,000 for his... <laughs> <laughs> he was president for two days. <laughs> well, actually, Edwards became... Uh, supposedly, he became the chief of police after this. Oh, really? Those girls should have become like... They should have run SoCal Edison. <laughs> supposedly became chief of police after this, but eventually he got fired by the... The mayor of Santa Paula for abusing his power. He then moved to Santa Monica, where he ended up having minor parts in several movies like The Grapes of Wrath. Really? He's the one that probably tries to beat up uh, Tom Joad. He was the grape. <laughs> Despite his strange later days, there's now a statue in Santa Paula of Edwards and Baker on their bikes warning the citizens in their cool. honor. Another such hero was Deputy Sheriff Eddie Hearn, who went out from Santa Paula towards the flood to warn as wow. many people as he could. He got as far as Fillmore before he found that 
There is no there, more yeah. film art. Santa Paula Fire Chief Sam Primer went around in his engine with the speakers going, but many people thought it was a prank and went back to bed. This is why I take pranks seriously. <laughs> Whenever my refrigerator may be running, <laughs> I get it fixed. <laughs> the Fire Chief, his son Charles, even used his ham radio to find people who needed help in the following oh, days. So great. good family. Yeah. But still... Flood kept moving, and Santa Paula was hit at 3.05, with the water still going 11.2 miles per hour. At 4.05, it hit Satakoy going 7.4 miles per hour, and at 5.25, it finally hit the Pacific Ocean near Montalvo, now only going 5.9 miles. That was one of the missing Fraser characters. What? I'm just trying to picture the route, because it went north? No, it went south and then west, because it it, found the river, and the river heads west, and then south a little bit more. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So it took five hours and 27 minutes to go the 55 miles from the dam to the ocean, leaving a trail of destruction two miles wide. Like, this is crazy. That's, this is really scary. banana pants. That's yeah. crazy banana pants. Hours earlier, Mulholland had gotten the call, the St. Francis is gone. What are you talking about? What do you mean? How could that... You mean like the saint saint is dead? Or what do you mean? That's why we named it after him, because he's no longer. Is this a prank? I might be pranked right now. You're not saying there's mucha agua, are you? (laughs) Where's my mucha agua? (laughs) Is the Ashton Kutcher of the 1920s here? Where's Charlie Chaplin going to pop out and say, I gotcha, sucker? So he was told the St. Francis is gone, after which he kept repeating, God, don't let people be killed. Please, God, don't let people be killed. He and Van Norman got to the scene around 2.30 a.m. All that was left to see was the middle section of the dam standing intact as all of his precious water spilled out around it. Yeah, I got part of it right. (laughs) The reason the middle section stayed was because it was the only part of the dam that they built these 10 uplift relief wells under it, which gave it the foundation and support to withstand the force of the water. Look at that. The second it was about 85 feet wide and had only been pushed 5.5 inches downstream and 6 inches to the east. It was referred to as the tombstone because it looked like and stood as a tombstone for the 55 mile long grave that it had just created. The rest of the dam was left in concrete crumbles, which are delicious on cakes, all around it, but huge chunks had been lifted away by the power of the water. The largest weighed 10,000 tons and was washed three quarters of a mile downstream. Like a match. That's a lot of power. Yeah, that's... The only other thing that can do that is Superman. <laughs> Where was he for this? And he won't even do that because he's lazy bones. Yeah, you know what? Where was he? This was his time. <laughs> Maybe there was like a comic of... Was he around in the 20s or did he come in the 30s? 30s, I think. I think it was Depression era. Yeah, yeah they needed him. <laughs> they needed him more. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Jode could do it myself. <laughs> this looks like a job for Tom Jode versus <laughs> Batman. I think Tom Jode is Batman. <laughs> Dawn of fascism. <laughs> All right, people died. Come on, settle down. Settle down now. Let's get to the car. The flood washed away. the carnage. I have statistics. The flood washed away or buried over 20 miles of Southern Pacific Railroad track. 10 bridges were destroyed. 17 miles of pipeline were ruined. 100 miles of fences. Over 140,000 trees were destroyed. Over 10,000 acres of crops wiped out. And 24,000 acres of fertile land were washed away. There was a seven mile spew of muddy water that stretched out into the ocean from the coast. Oh my God. That's- that was some sort solo. 1,200 homes were damaged and another 909 were completely destroyed and inside of those homes were people. It's hard to tell exactly how many people were killed for several reasons. One was that many of the people who died were farmers and didn't have any other family to contact. Another reason was that there was so much mud that a lot of people were just buried under 20 feet of silt and were never found or thought of again. They're like, they're still there. (laughs) 
what happens when they just start digging for a new thing and it's like oh here's all these bones yeah well also many people living in the flood path were undocumented workers from mexico so there was no way to trace them like there was no record another reason was that a lot of bodies got washed into the ocean some were found as far south as san diego and some were still turning up in the 1950s that's 30 years later one washed up in 1994 like, there still might be bodies out God. there. It's crazy. People and animals, living and dead, were found hanging from trees. Hands and feet and heads were sticking out of the mud and had to be spotted by airplanes flying overhead. It Like, this is, like, the people in the 20s weren't ready for this. No. Like, we can, we're used to this sort of thing yeah. now. Like, the 20s, like, they didn't have to, they shouldn't have had to go through this. <laughs> they had to go through. the jazz era. They weren't ready for that. They were doing the Charleston. Well, so was that water. They I ha- can do it, too. Dun, dun. Don't play Betty Goodman in the water. (laughs) They had to go through all of the debris for... What a transition. They had to go through all of the debris for any corpses before they could burn the debris piles. The process was really strange and maybe inappropriate. First, they would bring tractors and steel cables in to pull apart the piles of debris. Then came what were known as the dead searchers who looked in the piles for dead bodies. Then came the Boy Scouts to look for dead animals. Oh, yeah, Boy Scouts. What's your favorite animal? (laughs) We shouldn't have named them. Dead oxen. (laughs) There were thousands of dead animals animals and the injured ones all had to be killed then came the burners which was the boy scout's job <laughs> kids now, you know what a mercy killing is <laughs> now vernon take this revolver instead of a pinewood derby you're gonna have to learn how to put a bullet into the head of a dying calf so after this came the burners to burn all the rotting animal corpses and the brush. People from all over mobilized to help out the Red Cross and the Salvation Army, obviously, but also local people. People in the nearby towns gathered up all the horses they could to help go through the carnage. The worst community service. Blacksmiths were forging steel hooks and chains night and day. The Associated General Contractors mobilized 3,000 men within 36 hours who removed 65,000 cubic yards of silt. Universal Studios donated spots spotlights so that rescue crews could work through the night and their stage rats came in to <laughs> do whatever they could uh, repopulate the world support even came from non-locals like the mayor of savannah georgia who offered any help that they needed the bodies they found had to have the mud hosed off of them so that they could be identified some were impossible to identify some were found without heads some were so badly beaten you couldn't even tell if it was a man or a woman have you ever seen a body that has drowned no. They're like no. inflated and, and neither bruised. should have you. <laughs> the bodies were laid out in places like the Masonic Hall and New Hall or in local dance halls and things like that for days as family members came to try to find their loved ones. Imagine walking in and be like, yeah. I don't want to do the Charleston today. Yeah. I'll be waiting in the Great Depression. <laughs> Many that were never claimed were buried in a mass grave at <laughs> Ivy Lawn Memorial Park in Ventura. <laughs> a professor at CSUN named James Sneed had never heard of the St. Francis Dam disaster. This was years later. Until one of his students brought it up And since then he started the Forgotten Casualties Project To try to put an exact number on the dead By this count, which was released in February 2014 There were 125 missing people And 365 bodies found Of those, only 240 were identifiable For a total of 431 dead Which is an average of one person From every two houses in the flood path died Only the San Francisco earthquake Has claimed more lives in California But for man-made disasters, this is 
King. Yeah. But like I said, it's hard to tell exactly. So most people think the number is close to like 600. I remember reading, I think it was in a bright and guilty place where they were talking about a Santa Paula Chronicle the next day was like, thousands of people are dead. And I could kind of see why like the hysteria was there of like, we have no idea. It seemed like it would have killed thousands in this past. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's only because like it was the 20s and it was, you know, it wasn't like it swept through Hollywood. Like if the Mulholland Dam had burst, my God. Like that's it. it. Not to put down no, 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 600 no. almost 600 people dying but yeah. like it wasn't a largely populated but, area but yeah. one out of every one person in every two houses yeah that's like, that's a big deal <laughs> but it, i can also understand the hysteria behind it thinking like mm-hmm. after seeing the devastation just like you could just feel like oh this is probably a lot worse yeah. than I, it really is well yeah i guess i mean nothing new. <laughs> so the thing is there's no way to really know how many exactly died and we may never know yeah. unless there's like some sort of uh i don't know superman around <laughs> who likes to count at bodies uh, <laughs> like a batman who can uh with his x-ray vision look through the mud and see how many bodies are just uh, buried by, um, below the ground but uh, well, you know he, he's just so selfish <laughs> where there were also incredible stories of survival kids were found miles away from their home still alive stuck in trees <laughs> never wanted to go swimming again dogs went missing but eventually found their way home oh. one guy was found alive buried up to his neck in mud oh but he God. was alive some people had mental breakdowns and they ran off into the wilderness refusing to be rescued survivors were put up in refugee tent camps the la times had a flood relief fund the city of la put aside one million dollars to care for the survivors police had to be stationed all around because there was a lot of looting happening and a lot of lawyers coming in to prey on the survivors in all the total losses caused by this disaster were estimated at 13.5 million which in today's dollars is about 184 and a half million dollars Immediately following the disaster, nobody knew exactly what had gone wrong. So guards were placed at the other reservoirs because they thought it was a terrorist attack by the disgruntled farmers from Owens Valley who had been dynamiting the aqueduct. But the reality of that is that it would have taken over 12,000 pounds of dynamite placed 30 feet underwater to have taken down the dam. So unless Aquaman was involved. I think we just figured this out. Dawn of Justice. (laughs) (laughs) To the Fortress of Solitude. (laughs) Known as my bedroom. So no. Nobody was buying that theory. Almost immediately, investigations were launched by the city, county, state, and federal government. The most definitive of these seems to be the coroner's inquest led by Los Angeles District Attorney Asa Keys. I love that name. Asa Keys, Keys, Keys. (laughs) He's on his belt. (laughs) Keys, 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 Keys to the morgue. (laughs) So that started March 21st. It supposedly found that several leaks were found in the days leading up to the disaster and that the dam keeper, Tony Harnishfager, was told that if he wanted to keep his job he was to keep his mouth shut about the dam being unsafe damning damning evidence (laughs) Mulholland still maintained that sabotage had been the culprit here but by March 24th the true reports were coming in they deemed that quote the destruction of this dam was caused by the failure of the rock formations upon which it was built and not by any error in the design of the dam itself or defect in the materials on which the dam was constructed even though they basically said it wasn't his fault by March 28th Mulholland was accepting the blame for the failure one of his testimonies, he said, don't blame anyone else. You just fasten it on me. If there was an error in human judgment, I was the human, and I won't try to fasten it on anyone else. On occasions like this, I envy the dead. 
That's very big of him. Well, he tried to resign from the Bureau, but they wouldn't let him. In April, another commission report was released that deemed the cause of the disaster to be defective foundations, and Mulholland was cleared of all charges. However, they did make clear that, quote, the construction and operation of a great dam should never be left to the sole judgment of one man, no matter how imminent. In other words, a man who taught himself how to engineer should not be given the sole power to design something like this, no matter how important to the city he is. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> the hero that brought water to Los Angeles was no more. Yeah. People blamed him for his arrogance in trying to control the elements like that and he was seen as a murderer. They hated him. People yeah. had signs in front of their houses that said, kill Mulholland. Okay. And it was not easy for Mulholland. <laughs> no, no, it couldn't be. He was deeply pained by the destruction that his arrogance and his mistake had caused for the rest of his life. He retired eight months later, but later in life, he still hinted that he always suspected sabotage to have been the real cause of the disaster. But we'll get to his whole story in another episode. In reality, the science of later days revealed the truth of what really had happened. For one thing, engineers didn't really understand that concrete could get saturated by water and that could change its properties. Mm -hmm. They didn't know that until 1945. So their calculations were off because the science wasn't fully known yet behind this. But most importantly, in 1995, a book came out by a geological engineer named J. David Rogers called The St. Francis Dam Disaster Revisited, uh, Hot Shots Part (laughs) 2, that using the modern technology of the day showed that the eastern side of the dam, which is the side that broke first, was built on what is known as the Polona Schist, which was an ancient landslide zone. That's why this location seems so perfect for a dam, because it had been shaped that way by landslides a hundred thousand years ago. So once the huge dam was built on top of it, the weight of it reactivated the land and caused a shift of 877,500 tons of ancient earth that brought down the dam. And nobody could have known that this area was vulnerable to that with the technology at the time. So this whole disaster was just, it was a horrible accident that you can't really blame anyone for. There was no way anyone could have known that this would happen. On the plus side, the world did learn from this mistake for one. (laughs) On August 14th, 1929, the Department of Public Works became authorized to review all non-federal dams over 25 feet high, or that would hold more than 50 acre feet of water. Also in 1929, the dam safety program was established in California that gave the state the authority to supervise the dams in the state and set up that all dams had to be reviewed by a panel of engineers and geologists before they were built. So after this, California had some of the strictest dam laws in the country. (laughs) They also reviewed the other dams in LA and made some adjustments to the Mulholland Dam to make it safer. It also woke up the rest of the country to inspect their dams and it turned out that a third of all of them were deemed in need of maintenance. Even today, all of the country's dams have been given a collective grade of D for dam. (laughs) Even the Hoover? (laughs) But it would cost some $21 billion to fix them, so I guess we're just going to see what happens. And there's 153 dams in the U.S. we know to be built on ancient landslide spots just like the St. Francis was. The disaster even started a whole new branch of science called engineering geology or environmental geology to look out for these sorts of things. So overall, it brought in more peer review and changed civil engineering for the safer, but still, a lot of people had to die to learn that, and they're not really being remembered as well as they should be. Yeah, it, this is a really unknown thing. Yeah, no one... This ever, isn't widely known is what I mean. No one knows it. Yeah. Only we know this. <laughs> there isn't really anything left at the site of the old dam. The tombstone stayed up for a little bit longer until May 1929. A couple teenagers were playing on it when one of them threw a dead rattlesnake at his friend, Lurcy Parker, who got scared and fell off and died, making him the dam's final victim. Oh so with it being a safety hazard as the reason the city dynamited the tombstone, so all that's left there is some 
concrete rubble and some new DWP powerhouses. Others say that the reason it was demolished was because it was a painful reminder of the city's failure. Yeah. This story got swept under the rug pretty quickly after it happened and people forgot about it really fast, maybe because the depression hit like the next year yeah. and people were kind of preoccupied for, you know, the next 15 years. <laughs> but the city doesn't do anything to try to commemorate the victims and the heroes or even remember them or yeah. tell people this happened. The area became a California historical landmark in 1978, but other than a plaque for that and a song written about it in the 30s, there's no memorial. But people have been pushing to memorialize that night in some way. In July 2014, a California representative brought up a proposed St. Francis Dam Disaster National Memorial Act to Congress mm. to create a national park on the site, but nothing really happened with that. But maybe one day, people will remember that horrific night. Oh, and some people say the canyon's haunted with ghosts of people trying to climb to high ground at night. Terrifying. All yeah. of it's terrifying. Yeah. I hope that maybe we'll get around to that in one of our yeah. Christmas. We'll just tell this whole story again. All but right. it's spooky. <laughs> <laughs> with flashlights under a tent. Wow. Like, really, like, scary. Yeah, that's, really that's scary. genuinely terrifying. Yeah. If you're scared of big disaster movies and huge tidal waves like I am. Wow, St. Francis Dam breaking is pretty scary. It's lots of liquids and solids killing people. <laughs> well, those are the only two states of matter that are a threat. <laughs> oh, wait, no. No, they've sublimated. <laughs> in October, oh, by the way, I'm going to my side. In October of 2015, away. residents of the Porter Ranch area of San Fernando Valley were noticing similar symptoms amongst each other. They were nauseous, they were feeling dizzy, they were having headaches, nosebleeds, they were vomiting. Residents Sounds were, like a regular day to me. <laughs> just being this far away from downtown just makes me sick. Mm-hmm. Residents were also being blasted with the smell of rotten eggs mixed with sulfur. Oh, yummy. Yeah. Ooh, Is this? someone making egg salad? Did they build a new bakery around here? <laughs> what they were smelling were mercaptans, which are added at low levels to methane gas in the aid of detection of methane <laughs> gas leaks. And that putrid odor was doing its job as on October 23rd, 2015, a methane gas leak was detected in the Aliso Canyon storage facility over in Santa Susana Mountains. Yeah. In particular, Oat Mountain. Near less than a mile from my house. <laughs> Up the 118, where the Manson family once called home for a bit. That's yeah, further in Chatsworth. Which Daniel was part of. <laughs> I wasn't part of the family. <laughs> Just, you know, whenever they fell apart, I was there to help support them. The Aliso Canyon oil fields are owned by the Southern California Gas Company, SoCal Gas, as you might know them, and they are about a mile from the nearest home. But as you know, those hills and the northern ridge of the San Fernando Valley get very windy, and it, that's where the Santa Ana winds, like, drop into the city. So add a rotten smell to that. It gets very windy up there. It does. The Aliso Canyon storage facility is a 3,600-acre lot and one of the four natural gas storage fields that SoCal Gas operates in Southern California. The other three are the Honor Rancho in Newhall, Lo Goleta Gas Field near Goleta, which is closer to Santa Barbara, and the Playa del Rey facility in Playa del Rey, which is near LAX. Of those four, though, Aliso Canyon is the largest. It's also one of the largest in the country, too. Aliso Canyon storage facility is two miles long and is the largest gas storage field west of the Mississippi River. So what over here, like, that's like one of the biggest. I don't know whether to be proud or not. Uh, listen on. <laughs> to prepare for winter, each fall, the facility is pumped with as much as 86 billion cubic feet of natural gas. And then that goes on to power plants and then heat homes in Los Angeles. So this is a big, powerful thing that's happening. The leak was coming from a pipe casing below the surface of a well, the well SS-25, that oh, goes no. 8,500 feet underground. What? The methane gas flows into the earth and then seeps through the ground like a zombie. <laughs> methane, if you don't know, I'll give you a little lesson on this, is the primary component of natural gas, and it's also a greenhouse gas. Greenhouse gases trap mm. heat in the atmosphere, then make the earth warmer. 
so they say. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. I'm holding a snowball right now, okay? So, I'll sure, it's made by Hostess. <laughs> sure, it's the microphone I'm using right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking into a snowball, and I'm eating a snowball. I don't believe it. Al Gore, she's a ballyhooey young man. Al uh, Gore by a bull, as they say. <laughs> Methane is also a common source for fuel. It's not toxic the way carbon dioxide is, but it is very flammable. Methane is colorless, odorless, and tasteless, which is why they add mercaptans to mm-hmm. it, so you can detect it if it's so in the air. So you can taste it. So you can, mm, what is that? Add for flavor. <laughs> like I said, it's a greenhouse gas, so one of the biggest issues is that it, it absorbs the sun heat and warms the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Methane gas, which is natural, and although not one of the primary gases in our atmosphere, those being nitrogen, oxygen, and argon, it's probably one of the most plentiful organic compounds on Earth. It is also, next to carbon dioxide, the most prevalent greenhouse gas emitted in the U.S. from human activities. Great. Like I said, it's a natural gas, so it's found in all type of habitats. The wetlands was the one I read, so I'm going to go with the wetlands. <laughs> where Aquaman lives? Nah, he that's like, where the swamp thing that's lives. His, <laughs> <laughs> that is where the swamp thing lives. Like, he's salt water. He's fresh water. Don't mix up your superhero mythos. Yeah. Hey. Oh, boy. Oh, Daniel's laughing. <laughs> so methane becomes a problem when, let's say, a large company is responsible for storing it in massive quantities to sell to homes for use to the community, and then there's a leak. Because of its effect on the atmosphere, it is a catalyst for climate change. People have said that this leak at Aliso Canyon set back our climate change endeavors by 10 years. Great. And once it's in the atmosphere, it's hard to dissipate. It takes Just when we thought, like, maybe we were reversing global know, warming. Just when, like, polar bears were getting fat again. <laughs> Don't get too comfy, guys. You might be starving. It takes anywhere from 9 to 15 years to break it down with oxygen and water vapor. Yeah. So start breathing, everyone. <laughs> Actually, stop breathing. We need the oxygen. Wait, please slow it down a little bit. It's a little I'm more... talking to you, plants. Start breathing. <laughs> it's a little more dangerous underground and deep mines. If you heard anything about miners sending canaries into deep wells, it's to check methane gas levels. Mm-hmm. It's very... That's what the police saying about Roxanne, the canary in a coal mine. That's methane gas, if you're curious. Now, samples of the air were collected by the air district in the residential areas nearby and they found elevated levels of methane, ethane, and propane, which are all non-toxic gases. In front of one house, the air district detected methane at 616 parts per million, where the average is two parts per million. (laughs) The leak was emitting methane at a rate of 50,000 kilograms per hour, which accounts for one-third of all the methane emissions in our state. So the leak happens in late October and the company now Naively told residents in early November that a leak would be taken care of in a couple days. Yeah, I remember they kept yeah. saying like, yeah, we're, we're doing it, we're, yeah, doing, we're doing, doing it. it. Yeah. No. <laughs> they began efforts to close the leak, but nothing was really working, which I'll get to, but yeah, it has to I be... I didn't understand. Like, come on, just put a Band-Aid up. on it. <laughs> Why is the Band-Aid wet? Why is the Band-Aid falling off? There's the gas. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, I smell it. <laughs> I think I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> In about early November, they kind of were getting the idea like, oh, this might be months before we can like close the leak. Some residents began relocating on their own and applying for reimbursements from the SoCal Gas Company, which they had to like oblige. Other Porter Ranch residents started forming committees to not only discuss legal actions that they could take, but also to speak about with air specialists and SoCal Gas representatives about how the leak can be controlled and what their options were. They also shared experiences and symptoms with each other. Like, oh, you're dizzy. I'm dizzy too. Oh, you got a headache. <laughs> Let's get married. It brought people <laughs> <laughs> we started new factions of the community. They were just like, oh, you're sick. I'm sick too. That's great. Uh, many residents assembled and sued the SoCal Gas Company with the aid of Whites and Luxembourg, who specialize in consumer protection. The class action lawsuit filed named SoCal Gas Company and its parent organization, Sempra Energy, as the defendants. Their cause was also joined by environmental activist Aaron Brockovich, yeah. who you may remember from the movie with Julie Roberts. <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with Aaron Brockovich, she helped the residents of Hinkley, California to get $333 million settlement from the Pacific Gas and Electric Company, 
over groundwater contaminated by carcinogenic carcinogenic compound. I can't say that word. Can you say it? Carcinogenic. 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 Like your favorite talk show host and part of your favorite racial genetic modifying programs. Conanogenic. Eugenic. <laughs> Conanogenocide. <laughs> Did I get it? Ellen DeGenericide. Stop it. Ellen's a genocide. That's it. <laughs> so this Porter Ranch SoCal Gas Company lawsuit would seek monetary damages for the families as well as an order to fix some of the immediate issues residents are experiencing, such as relocation and continuous health monitoring of all the residents of the area. Authorities estimated the residents of Porter Ranch were exposed to the same amount of methane gas in two months that is produced by 160,000 cars in an entire year. <laughs> Smog City, USA. The residents were worried about other chemicals such as benzene having effects on the respiratory system. A specialist said that it shouldn't be a concern. Worry Ward said, I can't hear you, I'm dying. <laughs> it was believed by residents that they were being exposed to other chemicals. There was a report put out in January, though, showed that there were spikes in benzene and SoCal wasn't reporting it. If you're wondering why that's a big deal, benzene may cause cancer. Uh... One of the most damning and frightening images was released in December as part of the resident's case against SoCal Gas. There's an 18-second video shot with an FLIR camera forward-looking infrared, which is used to detect hydrocarbons. The footage shows methane gas pumping out and hovering over Porter Ranch. It presented to the public how truly massive this leak was. It was just kept flowing. This giant cloud just kept coming at it. It looked like Ghostbusters. It did look like the Ghostbusters scene in the Ghostbusters where their big thing breaks. At that point or at least around that time, a thousand or so families were seeking to be relocated at the company's expense. I mean, they thought, like I said initially, that it would be a couple days, but then they started understanding what needed to be done and that that would take probably till February, which is how long it took. On December 18th, the California Oil and Gas Supervisor issued a emergency order to regulate operations, provide data about the leak, and most importantly, close the leak. But that's just them saying like, hey, figure out a really hard solution faster <laughs> by finding us you're not helping the attempts at signaling leak were all failing there was an unsuccessful attempt to stop the flow of gas by pumping fluid into the well no dice that just turned into gassy fluid and nah, now i could drink it great <laughs> now our water supply is damaged <laughs> well, as much water as the saint francis dam spewing into it <laughs> and it's all tastes great in november they tried to force heavy mud into the well which resulted in blasting open a small vent in the ground from which gas could escape at a faster rate great, great job <laughs> they tried how about we try smashing it with a hammer <laughs> Have we tried kicking the gas? <laughs> what if we all just like sniff it up? Like the people who work here sniff it. We keep throwing canaries at it. They just keep, I don't know what's happening. They forget how to fly. They're permanently landing. They tried three more times to plug the well, but each time not only did it fail, made it drastically worse. By late December, seven attempts had been made to plug the leak and each time the error became less stable. A pilot taking weekly readings for the Air Resources Board saw a spike in the rate of gas being released in the air during these recovery months. The last of these seven efforts went and expanded a crater around the wellhead. Like they made the hole bigger. The crater grew 25 feet deep, 80 feet long, and 30 feet wide. I saw a picture of it. It's, I mean, I didn't know what it looked like before, but if this was the after, I don't want to, like, fine. <laughs> this is scary. The wellhead sits exposed within the cavernous space with no real surface support. It's held in place with cables attached to it around the wellhead, which wobbled during the plugging attempt. So it's just this thing that's hanging over this empty space, and they have cables trying to hold it up. It's kind of hard to explain. Yeah, I'll put the picture up. We'll go dig it up. It, take you want to go right now? It's like a mile away. <laughs> you know who could have stopped this? Probably with his toe. Aquaman? 
Aquaman. Gas man. <laughs> the guy from Hellboy 2, that's really a gas. <laughs> He's a gas. It's a gas, gas, gas. So the wow head is important because if it failed, the leak would go full blast and cause a blowout, which sends methane gas into the atmosphere at a fast rate, which is impossible at that point to stop and basically just destroys the planet. The natural gas also creates the risk of a massive fire if ignited by a spark. Just think about how many fires happen in Southern California in the summer oh, already. Oh my God. Could you imagine if there was a brush fire, which happens all the, all time, the time in, in that area? Like yeah. a brush. Oh my God. Um, Imagine, like, the air would be on fire. What if, like, that lake that caught on fire? (laughs) Like, the lake that... I'm trying to breathe. Imagine if, like, the world just ended because of this gas leak. It's very possible that, like, this chunk of Southern California could go up in flames very easily. The dinosaurs went extinct from a crater hitting in the earth, and humans went extinct because the Porter Ranch sprung a gas (laughs) leak. This is how sensitive that area is. The fire hazards at the facility are already so high that cell phones and watches are banned from the field. Watches? I guess, I don't know. Maybe like your it reflects off the watch. You're trying to burn some ants with your watch. I burnt my mom's sister with a watch. An ant. Hmm. I should have said I'm trying to burn ants. <laughs> the eighth attempt at plugging the leak was successful. They ended up drilling a relief well to intercept the gas and divert it from the exit point. Specialists from the Office of Environmental Health assessed the air quality and were saying that there were no long-term effects and it was the captains that were making people feel nauseous, not so much the methane gas, and any risks of cancer were very small. But that was a risk that nobody wanted to take. <laughs> a month into it, 259 households had applied and 67 households were temporarily relocated. SoCal Gas was reimbursing people's hotel fees for 259 per room per night plus taxes and fee as well as their food. I should have taken advantage of that. You should have, yeah. I could have lived at a Holiday Inn. (laughs) (laughs) I could have been on the sixth floor of some smelly roach-infested semen-covered hotel room. (laughs) Which is what Porter Ranch is known for. (laughs) They could have sent me from beautiful Porter Ranch, California to beautiful (laughs) Canoga Park, California. (laughs) I could have been living the high life in Pacoima. (laughs) (laughs) In Pacoima, I'm a nine. (laughs) On December 15th, LA County Supervisors declared a state of local emergency and two days later on December 17th LAUSD closed two Porter Ranch schools yeah. uh, Porter Ranch Community School and Castle Bay Lane Elementary where my mom used to work oh really yeah. not at the time oh okay good yeah. she caused the leak <laughs> I told her not to play on them pipes that were underground <laughs> they began relocating 1900 students and staff yeah which is crazy right they moved them kind of far also where did they go I didn't find that out it was close I, to the leak yeah, they decided if you can't beat it, join it. So they built a school in the lake hole. Field trip. <laughs> the maximum penalty to SoCal Gas was not only having to pay to relocate the family, which was going to cripple them, but they also had to pay the violation fines, which were $75,000 a day. They could take that. Yeah, I know what. Have you seen my bill? Have you seen my gas bill? Yeah, they could, they could handle it. Don't worry. I've paid that much to them. <laughs> you subsidized this whole gas. <laughs> the state prohibited SoCal Gas from injecting any more gas into the facility at that point, so they had to shut down operations, basically. SoCal Gas had proposed a number of measures to reduce emissions and odors, which were making people sick. Construction crews were installing mesh screens to prevent any oily mist at the leaking well from drifting into Porter Ranch, but that really wasn't doing much. (laughs) By December 22nd, the leak had released the equivalent of 1.6 million metric tons of carbon dioxide, which is more greenhouse gas emissions than 330,000 passenger vehicles produce each year. That's like 
all the cars I've ever heard of. <laughs> it's all I, the cars I've ever owned. <laughs> by early January, state air quality regulators estimated the leak had released the equivalent of 1.9 million metric tons of carbon dioxide in the air. The equivalent, one more time, the equivalent of that. Mm. That's the difference in a month is like hundreds of thousands of metric tons. After these measurements, the SoCal Air Quality Management Board orders an abatement, which called for a serious reduction in the emissions and odors from the SoCal gas pipes. It stated that once the leak is stopped, the order required the faulty leak would be shut down permanently. That one that broke never again would be used. The abatement also required the enhanced air quality monitoring of the Port Ranch area and the completion of the health study on the potential health effects of the well emission and residents. Okay. Do they want me to volunteer? Yeah, could you do that? Can you just like start measuring gas? Uh, you know, if they need me to get naked, I'll do it. <laughs> Let me just put that out there. I'm, yeah. <laughs> if you need me to like lose a couple clothing items. <laughs> if you want to see the gases effect on my rock hard pod, <laughs> snap away your pictures. So in January, with the leak continuing to pump methane into the atmosphere, Governor Jerry Brown, who is not in the Dead Kennedys, declared a state of emergency regarding the gas Ooh, leak. If you want to hear about Dead Kennedys, please listen to our episode <laughs> about assassination. Go on. He ordered a state of emergency regarding the Aliso Canyon gas leak, ordering emergency regulations. What? Oh, that I was going to say, what does that mean to declare a state of emergency? It means that the government can step in and kind of take over the problem. Okay. Which here, all they really did was implement regulations. That means that in most cases, they can take over an organization that is faulted and run it so the way it's they like see it. it's like martial law? It's pretty much like martial <laughs> law, yeah. But all they really did here is, like I said, implement regulations. So all storage facilities in Southern California had to be almost immediately looked at. People had to go in and assess all the pipes of every well, all the, you know, everything had to be basically looked at top to bottom entire organization. Each facility would also have to draft a risk management plan that would look into the deterioration of pipes and other safety threats, which is sort of like being in school and the one kid is being loud and won't shut up and then everyone has to stay <laughs> after. It's like that. Well, if Porter Ranch is going to start leaking, <laughs> you're all going to have to be retrofitted. Oh, <laughs> But it's Christmas Day! (laughs) But I put everything in my backpack already. Like I said, they did not suspend any state laws or commit more resources or public funds to address the leak. So some people don't really see that push as being that responsive. Basically, you mean it took the government of Los Angeles some time to react to a bad situation? They thought about it and, you know, they did as much yoga as possible and it wasn't really clearing their chakras. So they figured, well, you know what, I'm going to have to get up and put some real pants on and solve this problem. <laughs> Governor Jerry Brown just said, let's make sure everyone is doing their job like we thought they were already doing. He also pushed for SoCal Gas to flip the bill on all related expenses from the leak, which they were kind of already doing, but again, keep doing it. Brown put the California Public Utilities Commission in charge of making sure that the gas company covered all the costs related to the gas leak while protecting ratepayers. So anyone who said that their bills went up around the same time the leak happened and they thought they were helping pay for the leak are mistaken. Your rates are the same or they're your fault. <laughs> Everybody on my porch was like, oh, we're, what, we're going to flip the bill? No, it's because it was a cold winter. All right, guys, we all used the gas. <laughs> you wanted to wash the dishes in hot water? Well, there it is. In January, another company that operates at Aliso Canyon called Termo Company was found to be illegally and intentionally venting natural climate changing gas from their wells at Aliso Canyon because it's not just SoCal gas. They like rent wells to other companies. One of them was intentionally venting it out. They were fined $75,000. In this case, there was a clear effort to conceal That's the like pipe. like one year's worth of electricity. Like I said, there was a clear effort to conceal the pipe that was venting. Apparently, once regulations started to get stricter because of SoCal gas leak, the people running the pipe dismantled it, but it was already too late. People had noticed it. And because remember, the state senate locked 
locked down the injecting gas at least so the field shut down all operations so anybody who didn't like socal gas was in trouble but all these other companies like well how are we gonna like that's our money <laughs> you're making us lose money so on february 2nd two things happened california attorney general kamala harris sues california gas for violating state and safety laws by failing to control the leak and to fail to report it to authorities in a timely manner apparently they waited like three days before they reported it to anybody the main reason for the lawsuit was that the leak was <laughs> maybe they won't notice <laughs> god i hope there's no infrared cameras i really <laughs> hope there's no you didn't inject those things into the gas to make it smell did you everyone's feeling sick uh food poisoning <laughs> we fed everyone sushi but it was really rotten everyone go back to school stop eating sushi from the gas station uh, we're not the gas station <laughs> the main reason for the lawsuit was that a leak had threatened the state's many efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions remember that los angeles smog levels are incredibly high and we had all these initiatives in place for years to counter this and this leak hasn't done almost everything the second thing that happens on february 2nd is that the los angeles county district attorney jackie lacy failed misdemeanor charges against socal gas for not immediate again not immediately reporting the leak to state authorities they were charged with three counts for failing to report the release of hazard materials which happened between october 23rd to the 26th by that point there were dozens of lawsuits against socal gas from the class action lawsuits to civil suits earlier in the whole debacle la city attorney mike fewer filed a suit claiming that they waited for days before reporting the leak to the proper authorities if they weren't being sued for ruining the planet they were being sued for not reporting it on time they were also being sued for causing families to relocate the captain emer- planet is the one we need in this y- situation you're absolutely right where's those five kids different their school of- got relocated <laughs> <laughs> they were also being sued for causing families to relocate in the emotional turmoil along with the health issues caused by the were captain odor people's lives had been briefly changed because of all of this. And SoCal Gas was to blame for all of it. And Lives were lightly affected. <laughs> People were slightly inconvenienced. SoCal Gas respectfully pleaded not guilty to misdemeanor charges, <laughs> stating that they had reported the leak on the 23rd, saying, With all due respect, they're faking it. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope the stenographer gets this. Eat it. Bite me. Shut up. And I don't know how you may capture this in text, but raspberry noise. <laughs> I would like the judge to note that I told everyone to sit on it. SoCal Gas said they reported the leak on the 23rd. They made notifications to multiple agencies, but they declined to say when the notifications were made or to what agencies. <laughs> you haven't heard of them. They live in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're like the best uh, the best agency. And they got really rocking pods. <laughs> Governing pods. On February 11th, the well was temporarily sealed and permanently sealed on the 18th of February. The relief well implemented in December had worked, however, too slowly for anyone's liking. In the end... The well, it only took four months. What's the big deal <laughs> we told you any day now we weren't wrong in the end the leak lasted from the day of discovery to the day of capping october 23rd to february 11th lasted 110 days that was a day of temporarily being capped it officially stopped on the 18th so all together 117 days of this leak that means 96,000 metric tons of methane gas was released into the atmosphere that's the same as 8 million metric tons of carbon dioxide being released that's the same as 900 million gallons of gasoline burned oh my god that's 15 million dollars worth of natural gas wasted it was declared the largest natural gas leak in u.s history and now being compared to the bp oil spill in regards to its effect on the planet and its reversing of climate change initiatives yeah baby yeah but it didn't get a bunch of ducks oily so just a bunch of canaries think of the birds (laughs) oh i am alfred hitchcock scared me so i always think of the think of the editing (laughs) and the lack of musical score (laughs) tippy tippy 
So the leak has stopped. Let's all go home. Not so fast. Oh, but I want my bed back. I want my race car bed back. <laughs> Porter Ranch residents started returning to their homes, but even weeks after the gas had stopped pumping and the odor was gone, residents were still experiencing those symptoms. Mm-hmm. Standard air quality sampling found nothing out of the ordinary, so county health officials commissioned tests of 112 homes in Porter Ranch and the surrounding areas and found metal containments consistent with all those found in the well drilling fluid that was used in attempts to plug the leaking well at the Aliso Canyon. So them trying to plug the leak had almost replicated the same effects. Like they had made it just as bad. And this was like embedded in all the homes that were surrounded. Yeah, I remember there was like people said that their walls were like sticky. Yeah, they were like little pieces of everywhere. Yeah, right. even the containments, which included beranium, manganese, vanadium, aluminum, and iron, were found at low levels. They could still be causing short-term problems. For example, beranium can cause eye, nose, throat, and skin irritation, which aren't far off from the symptoms that the mercaptans were causing. That initially <laughs> alerted residents to the leak. On March second, a superior court judge ordered the gas company to continue paying for the temporary accommodations till March eighteenth, allowing the time for more air testing, along with a demand. And at SoCal Gas pay to clean the insides of up to 2,500 homes in Porter Ranch. Soon after, the county health department ordered a halt to the cleanup work because the contractors hired to do the job were not following protocols, which included using specialized vacuum cleaners, wet cleaning the walls, and clearing duct work. In total, the company said it paid about $36 million in relocation expenses for about 3,400 homes. Well, I'm glad that's over. April 2016. I want my race car bed. <laughs> Just when you thought it was safe and not dizzy in Porter Ranch, another leak was detected. That sweet smell of rotting egg was in the air, which <laughs> residents are well familiar mm, with at this point. Reminds me of October. Oh, Mer Captains. Well, most people. Mer Captain, my captain. <laughs> Mer Captain, my captain. I want to go home. Well, most people want to point the finger at the severely wounded SoCal Gas Company. The leak was coming from a well of another company at the Liso uh, Canyon Field, which, from what I understand, was called Crimson Resource Management, which sounds scary. The leak was not massive. They said simply a turn of a wrench to fix the problem. But it's an odd thing to happen after a state of emergency was implemented and new regulations were put into effect <laughs> that, like, a minor things were still happening, mm-hmm. you know? But this was the second of the side leaks and people are getting pissed. So pissed that residents protested outside the facility and now they want the Aliso Canyon plant shut down all mm. like all together just shut down. the lo- One of the largest <laughs> the largest west of the Mississippi and they want to shut down. We'll get our gas from Saudi Arabia. It's fine. <laughs> We're making deals every day. We just have to join I was gonna say ISIS. Yeah. As long as we cut a sweet deal with ISIS, <laughs> we're willing to negotiate. The company and California regulators have stated that shutting down the operations of Aliso Canyon will run the risk of blackouts during the summer months in Southern California when we use a lot of energy to stay cool. Although people are saying the data behind their reports has been criticized by environmental experts. It seems that shutting down those plants, which is like I said, one of the largest in the area, would drastically change the way we live our lives. Not saying that we couldn't adjust and it wouldn't be worth it, but we should be aware of how our daily life will change if we shut that plant down, Mm -hmm. which is the lyrics of a Woody Guthrie song. (laughs) Uh, At this Uh, point... You mean Arlo Guthrie. (laughs) At this point, May 2016 today, more than 600 plaintiffs are suing SoCal Gas Company. And odd something I'm hearing a lot right now is concern over property value. Many residents are angry that the value of their homes has dropped greatly since the leak. The houses in Porter Ranch are very expensive. And that's kind of what they're known for. Yeah. Houses start at about $930,000 and the average income of the residents is about $128,000 annually. This is a wealthy suburb that people want to pay for safe homes and they can't have that. Then they want to be paid for a wealthy home. Some residents have gone back home hesitantly. Others are moving elsewhere to areas that aren't polluted by big scary industrial areas. It's just kind of off-putting to me that so far, it's been like short-term problems, but people are like, my house now is sick. 
But uh, my house can still smell those things. <laughs> but I guess that's just me, and I don't sick. own anything, so I shouldn't. I should yeah, shut up. Yeah. It was your backpack gonna get sick? <laughs> Come on, you well, don't know what it's like to be home. value has gone down. <laughs> now I can't resell it, which I was going to do <laughs> because I need the money. I need to hire a lawyer to sue that damn gas company for whatever <laughs> happened. Currently, the EPA drafted the first ever national rule to directly limit methane emissions from oil and gas operations, unlocking a new opportunity to reduce climate pollution, which is great and maybe from this stricter regulation that it's going to be implemented it might give us a new solution something we haven't thought of before but i already thought they were band-aids <laughs> have we thought about not breathing anymore have we exhausted experimentation and guilt <laughs> have we all tried living at sea but you know i already thought that there was strict regulation so we'll see as far as long-term health effects again we'll see yeah it could be 20 or 30 years before we see the full health effects of this so hey just check in with me in 20 or 30 yeah, years jesus so we'll see we'll see yeah that's what scares me about it is like because i'm near porter yeah. ranch but i was like technically in the blast zone yeah but i was still like everyone was still around people kept saying like oh there's no one there anymore yes. i was going to the gym like 10 feet away from where the well was <laughs> and it's still crazy crowded yeah i know that the porter ranch library i think got less people coming in and then our house, they put in... Um, it's in the middle of the street. Our house. The family's in the house, too. The family's here in the house. They put in sort of sealants around some of the windows to try to keep the gas out. Yeah. But still, like, everyone was still there doing their normal stuff, and we were just breathing it in. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've only talked to a couple of people that were relocated, and, you know, it sucks... But, like, they didn't die. I'm curious in 20 years to yeah, see okay, what yeah. happens we, to me. People are going to be like... I can feel I'm sterile. <laughs> I somehow I can, feel, like, less of a man. I feel like my children are already angry, and I don't have any. <laughs> and I, that's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> I've been trying. We ran, We were talking to somebody just last night that uh-huh. was, like... We didn't bring it up. They brought it up, but they were saying that, you know, a woman with a young child who was pregnant, they, like, yeah. SoCal Gas relocated them to, like, an apartment. Glendale. Yeah, to in, Glendale, the to the Americana. Americana. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. It's crazy. Like, it's crazy pants bananas like yeah. i said but like i'm just glad that there are no casualties as yet there are have no casualties it, I, you know just... i also never smelled in alberto who lives more in porter ranch than i do he said he smelled it several times oh, yeah. but you know what i say if you smelt it you probably <laughs> dealt it and you know what you're gonna have to pay for that alberto you're gonna have to pay for that like you said we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens to me to precious boy daniel our guinea pig <laughs> when we're still doing this podcast and we're talking about minute los angeles things since we covered everything in yeah. 20 years i'm also glad that this happened because we wanted to do the man-made disaster thing. We've got, we've got the St. Francis Dam. We just need one more yeah, thing one to more. happen. We'd oh, like, what's that happening in Porter Ranch? <laughs> what's that smell? And here we were researching how to make our own tornadoes. <laughs> man-made natural disasters. Those are the two natural disasters. Yeah, one of them has things. not settled. The, the dust has not settled yet. No, the gas has not come down from the atmosphere. It has not. I'm so scared for this. I really am like naturally scared for the summer. With all that new heat in the air. Yeah. <laughs> that new winter coat that... <laughs> <laughs> that the atmosphere has that they, you can't take off they, for like, 15 it's years. onto its skin now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should be interesting. It should be, yeah. What hath man wrought? Chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only way to respond to that question. Man's inhumanity to man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? I'm still thinking of barbecue dipping sauce. What hath man wrought? Wrought. Chicken rot. Oh, God. <laughs> scary, scary things that yeah. are attempts to conquer nature. Nice. Nature, too, on this one. Yeah, yeah. And good for them. Yeah. Fighting back. Earth for the earth. 
That's why I'm killing all the humans. <laughs> That's why I'm trying to destroy machines. If I see a drone in the air, I shoot it down. And I see a lot of them. <laughs> Sometimes uh, the drones look like people. I shoot them down. <laughs> sure, some of them say Southwest Airlines <laughs> on it, but I am shooting them down. <laughs> sure, some of them are police helicopters, but it is hitting the ground. Permanently landed. Well, here's something that you shouldn't shoot down. This suggestion to leave us a review on iTunes. It's a very nice thing to read. Whoever left us the one about Milo, thank you yeah, very much. You, you made are, my day. Like, even if you don't want to write words, a star rating will do. If yeah. you have an iPhone, all you have to do is open your podcast app, which is preloaded on your phone, and just find us, leave a star rating, that's it. It helps us so much if and you could do that. Also, go back, listen to maybe a couple episodes, let us know what you think. Just two. Yeah, just do two. We're just only two. tolerable in small portions of mm-hmm. an hour and a half of peace. <laughs> Ooh, <good> boy. <laughs> like us on Facebook. We put articles of things going on, things yeah, relevant. Yeah, we try to keep as current as possible. Twitter, we're trying to do the same thing a little more often. At Ellie Meekly. At Emily. Uh, Instagram. At Emily Meekly. At Emily Meekly. <laughs> who oh. is the mother of this podcast. Thank you, Emily, for bringing me the microphone today. It was very nice of you. Yes, little Greggy baby forgot his microphone, and Mother Greggy had to come and bring it to him. <laughs> she had to fly from the nest and bring me all the worms like she always does. <laughs> but can't you chew it for me? We have lots of pictures on Instagram. Yes, LA underscore Meekly. Every day, pretty much, we have a new picture. Our Tumblr page is our sort of main hub of pictures that we put up and resources for all this any lameekly.tumblr.com correct email is la.meekly at gmail.com the dots there because I didn't want the word lame in it (laughs) 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 feel free to throw suggestions out there it's been 30 months of doing this you know unlike the Porter Ranch well this one will go dry eventually This one can stop on its own. <laughs> also, I want to give a special thanks to someone who has been requested, described as some dipwad from Reddit for <laughs> fighting for us on Reddit from all the mean people on Reddit. Thank you for defending <laughs> Whoever us. Whoever you are, thank you. Yes. And you know what? If any other of you want to challenge anyone to a duel or fight for our honor, we'll mention you on this as well. And also, if you want to come after us, hey, we're ready for yeah. you. You know what? I got brass knuckles. <laughs> Okay, baby. And I'm not afraid to use them. I got pepper spray in my bag, and I am reading the instructions right now on how to use it. (laughs) I got my hands removed, and I got nunchucks in place of them. So you know what? Come at me. And sure, that meant losing my brass knuckles, but nunchucks hurt more. I'll just kick the brass knuckles at you. You know, I'm scared to be in the valley right now because we're close to both of these things. Yeah, I know. We're right in the flood path of all these things. We are. Yeah, it's a scary world, but you know what? I need gas. I need water. And if that means a giant disaster every once in a while, okay. Fine. My grandkids will deal with it. I'll continue living in my hot air balloon far away from any damage. (laughs) Except people trying to shoot me down. You know, everything looks the same up there, okay? I can't be held responsible. Is it a duck? Is it a drone? (laughs) It's going down. Is it a hang glider? It's going down. (laughs) Is it the first contact with alien species? It's going down. Speaking of things that might be birds or planes. That has been yet another episode of L.A. Meekly, waiting for Superman since 2013. We're going to get sued by a documentary filmmaker. Mm-hmm.